You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert, Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. Is our state of health merely a matter of chance? Is our society's state of health overall, is it just lucked up? Did we just luck ourselves into the situation or are there very specific underlying reasons that are causing our health outcomes right now? One of those possible implements is cited in a study published in The Lancet, one of our most prestigious journals. This is a massive meta-analysis titled Health Effects of Dietary Risk in 195 Countries. And it examined the links between poor diet and the skyrocketing rates of chronic diseases in our world today. The scientists determined that poor diet kills 11 million people around the world every year. The researcher stated, quote, our findings show that suboptimal diet is responsible for more deaths than any other risk globally, highlighting the urgent need for improving human diet across nations, unquote. So this doesn't sound lucked up at all. This sounds like something that rhymes with that, all right? That's what's helped to get us into this state. It isn't just by chance. There are underlying ingredients that cause our health outcomes. We live in very different conditions than what we evolved in. You know, right now we have environmental inputs and many different environmental pollutants that are released into our atmosphere every single year. According to the EPA, we've got about 40,000 new chemicals that are getting released that are approved that are getting released into our environment on a consistent basis. Not to mention the fact that here in the United States, 60% of the average American's diet is ultra-processed foods. All right, so we've got these implements, but also just our matter of stress today. You know, there were very specific stressors a thousand years ago. You know, it might be the stress of a potential invasion or some tribal conflict or something of the like, a stress around a famine or the stress of finding an adequate water source, right? But these stressors oftentimes would go in a cyclical fashion. And today, however, we have a myriad of chronic stressors that never seem to turn off. Because we've now achieved a place where we are now as a, as a species, more people are dying from overconsumption than from not having enough to consume. Now that we've reached this place, our creature comforts are opening up domains in our minds that we can just manufacture more things to be stressed about. Right, we live in a very interesting time. In some ways, though, we might be looking at we have higher quality problems to address, but they're problems nonetheless. And so today we're really going to focus on what is the underlying, what is the ultimate underlying determinant of our health outcomes. And we have the very best person in the world to share what's really happening with our state of health as a society. And he is a foremost expert on epigenetics. And this conversation, this melding of conversations that I had with this individual, I think about literally every day. I couldn't go another day without sharing this with you because for me, it changed my life. It's not just information, it's profound knowledge, something that you get and it literally changed your perception of reality. It changes your life. And so I think about this conversation every single day. And having the opportunity to learn from this individual is one of my missions when I started the Model Health Show to be able to share him with everyone. And so really excited about this. We put together a special compilation 
And I'm telling you right now, it's life-changing. And we're really going to dig in here because right now we've been inundated with this societal belief that we are victims, that we don't have the power to influence our health outcomes, whether it's from chronic illnesses or infectious illnesses. We're just at the mercy of the environment, but we know better than that. And not just based on the data, but based on reality here in our own lives, but also we have so much peer-reviewed data affirming, as we mentioned, even with JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, they found in 2018, again, another meta-analysis, the number one cause of our epidemics of chronic disease is poor diet, all right? But instead of acknowledging that and really paying attention to how can we optimize our nutrition, our movement practices, our sleep wellness, our, our management of stress as a society, our relationships, all the things that our genes expect of us to have healthy outcomes as a species, the things that are required, we completely ignore those things and then blame other things outside of that. We can acknowledge that, hey, we've got some issues here that we can actually address. We are powerful. This is not being talked about. It's anything but. It's disempowering information that we're being inundated with and a lot of whataboutism. We know that 90 plus percent of chronic diseases can, dramatic, can be reversed and dramatically shifting prevention of these chronic conditions. Heart disease, diabetes, we have skyrocketing rates of mental health issues and autoimmune conditions. The list goes on and on. These things simply were not occurring just a few generations ago. And now all of these things have been shooting straight up and it's not okay. But instead of looking at, hey, we have a lot to do with the health outcomes that are happening right now, we might miss if we're disempowered the fact that we can change even the rare stuff. We can have some influence on it. For instance, right now, nearly 130 million United States citizens are diabetic or pre-diabetic right now. The vast majority, we're talking over 90%, we're looking at type 2 diabetes, or it used to be called adult onset diabetes, where this is diabetes of the type that we have a reduction in insulin sensitivity. We have insulin resistance occurring largely due to abnormal blood sugar levels that are caused by our abnormal diet, sedentary behavior, sleep deprivation, the list goes on and on, and components, ingredients that can cause a manifestation of those symptoms. But what diabetes is, is a change in the genetic expression to help the body to sustain itself, to stay alive under unideal conditions. It's an adaptation to survive. But instead of addressing what we can truly change and be empowered in this, we might have this whataboutism and point to, well, what about type 1 diabetes? There's nothing that can be done about this. This is not that person's fault. This is not about fault. This is about keeping our minds and our hearts open and feeling a sense of empowerment that there is still something within our hands that we can actually do to help to change these health outcomes, if not reduce symptoms or find a, a full resolution, but just to be empowered and to know that we have agency in our lives and we are not a victim. If we don't have that empowerment, if we turn that part of our minds off and say, this is my lot in life, there's nothing that can be done, this is not my fault, this is someone else's responsibility, we might miss out on amazing information that we now have access to today, like what was published in Nutrition and Diabetes recently. And the title of the study is A1 beta casein milk protein and other environmental predisposing factors for type 
one diabetes. The researchers were digging in on this phenomenon taking place with this particular protein, this A1 beta casein protein, potentially damaging or even destroying beta cells in the pancreas that are producing insulin for people with type 1 diabetes. This could be a phenomenon that gets turned on. This could be, yes, a genetic disposition or predisposition, but certain environmental factors causing that genetic expression to take place, right? This could be in the development process when we're in our mother's womb, you know, and there's also leaning in in this study, looking at some of the other factors that can lead to this expression of this condition, being lack of vitamin D, being uh, lack of being breastfed, and all of that kind of immune system download that comes from that. Because at its core, we're looking at an autoimmune condition where our own cells are getting destroyed, our beta cells are getting destroyed. But the body, we were not designed for our bodies to destroy itself. The body in some form or fashion thinks that it's helping us survive. It's, it's attacking certain tissues as if they're a threat. And so it's finding a way to help to create the conditions of harmony within the body, right? This doesn't mean that there's some magical cure for this condition, but when we just focus on what can be a true genetic defect, and then we totally miss out on the vast majority of conditions, chronic conditions today that are being expressed that are within our control to actually shift what our genetic expression is doing based on our choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. You know, when we miss out on that, we're really missing out on the big picture here and being empowered. And that's what I want to do today is to put the power back into your hands. And it was never taken away. We might ignore that is there, but to give you permission to understand that you have agency in your life. Your family has agency. Your community has agency. Our society has agency. We are a powerful species. We are a powerful people. But we've been led to believe that we are a victim that our bodies are inadequate, that our bodies are just a mistake, and all of these other crazy ideas that can seep its way into our consciousness and we forget who we are. So today is about rekindling that awareness that we have power. With that said, and before we get to this special compilation, what's actually keeping the power on? What's keeping the lights on in our bodies? This electricity, this energy currency that the human body itself is running on. You know, even when we see that heart monitor, right? The little boop, boop. What we're seeing is the electrical output of the human heart. The same thing with the human brain. You know, we're able to read this electric energy, this electrical energy that our bodies are just emanating with. That ability for our cells to communicate, our brain cells specifically, is something called signal transduction. And it's an electrical currency. And what's responsible for this are electrolytes. These provide, these are, these are minerals that have an electric charge. And without these key electrolytes, our cells literally cannot communicate. Matter of fact, our cells can do nothing without electrolytes being present, specifically this sodium potassium pump that allows all of our cellular processes to happen. Electrolytes are key today. So I'm such a huge fan of LMNT, Element. Go to drinkelement.com forward slash Sean and you get a special free gift. Even if you've got an Element before and taken advantage of their free offer, any purchase that you get from Element now, you get a bonus gift sent your way. So this is for any and everybody. Even if you've gotten Element before, 
There's a new special free gift that Element is giving. This is exclusive for the Model Health Show audience. All right, go to drinklmnt.com forward slash Sean, S-H-A-W-N. You're going to get a free gift with any purchase. All right, you're going to get more goodness, more electrolytes, simply by doing something for your own health and well-being. Element is the industry leader. No fillers, no crazy additives, no added sugar, just high quality, properly sourced electrolytes in the right ratios for optimal human performance. Go to drinklmnt.com forward slash model and you're going to get a special bonus gift with any purchase. Are they going to send you I'll just tell you what the gift is. They're going to send you a bonus pack of electrolytes of Element. All right, this is for everybody. You can take advantage again, even if you've gotten Element before. Right now, this is brand new. Every purchase, you're going to get a special gift along with your order. Go to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash model. Take advantage of this ASAP. And on that note, let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled My Favorite Health Podcast by Bren Amazon. Sean, your show has been extremely instrumental in providing excellent tools and becoming the best version of me. I've learned so much and I'm constantly challenged to keep improving my health. Any chance I get, I'm sharing all the health tips you offer and encouraging others to listen to your amazing show. In fact, I just had a birthday and it had pictures of all my favorite things. And guess what it made on there? Model Health Show. I can't thank you enough for all you do. That just put a huge smile on my face. Wow. Thank you so much for making me a part of your story. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you for taking the time to leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. And listen, this episode is very, very special. One of my greatest teachers and mentors, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Dr. Bruce Lipton is a cell biologist and a leading pioneer in epigenetics, the best-selling author of The Biology of Belief. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, not a day goes by that I don't think about this conversation. And I wanted to re-energize it, to put this together for you, to help you to remember what's really at the foundation of our health outcomes and success as people. We are so powerful, but we need to know how this stuff works. And there's no one better to learn this from than the amazing Dr. Bruce Lipton. Well, I'm teaching in the medical school. I'm doing research. And the teaching involves what is something called uh, genetic determinism. That's right. a belief that genes determine the character of our lives. And unfortunately, the population is still uh, imbued with that belief that they think that genes are going to turn on and off and control them and give them cancer or diabetes. And, and then I say, well, wh what's relevant about that? And I say, when we teach genetic determinism, what we're teaching is um, victimization, mm. that a person is a victim of their heredity. In other words, they got genes, the genes are going to determine the character of their lives. They don't control the genes. They didn't pick the genes. They can't change the genes. And all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, my life is programmed by these genes. I, I could get cancer. I can get Alzheimer's. I get diabetes. And it's like, and then you, what do you do about it? You say, no, can't do anything about it. And all of a sudden you realize what we've done is program people to be powerless. It's like, no, you have no power over your life. The genes do. So I'm teaching powerlessness <laughs> to medical right. students who are going to, you know, work with patients. 
at the same time, I was doing research in the lab on stem cells. And just to give people an understanding about stem cells, um, a human body is actually made out of 50 trillion cells. The cells are the living entity. When I say Bruce, you say Sean, uh, that's a name for a community right. of 50 trillion cells. You say, I, I, that's a name for me. And I go, yeah, but me is a community. So the cells are who we are. And uh, every day out of the 50 trillion, we lose hundreds of billions of cells, just natural cells falling out, skin sloughing off. Even the entire lining of the digestive tract is replaced every three days. It's like nearly a trillion cells, you know? It's like, okay, you're losing these cells, but you're replacing them. The question is, where do the new cells come from? And the answer is stem cells. I say, well, what are stem cells? I say, the moment before you were born, I do a, a biopsy on your fetal tissue, and I say, oh, here's a cell. Oh, this is an embryonic cell. I wait one minute after you're born, do the same biopsy, look at the same cell, and now I go, oh, that's a stem cell. Mm. So basically what the point is, a stem cell is an embryonic cell. It's multipotential. Yeah. And so your body is filled with stem cells to replace the hundreds of billions of cells every day. So I'm cloning that, and that means I take one stem cell, put it in a dish all by itself, and it divides every 10 or 12 hours. So first there's one cell, then two, four, eight, doubling, doubling, doubling. After a week, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. What's important so far is that all 30,000 cells are genetically identical because they came from one parent. Mm -hmm. So I have 30,000 genetically identical cells. I split the cells into three different Petri dishes, but what I do, because I make the culture medium, uh, which is the environment for the cells, that's what I grow cells in. Cells are like fish. They, they live in an aquarium of fluid. That's why if you cut yourself open, fluid leaks out. Uh, there's an aquarium inside. So I make the aquarium medium, culture medium. And because I synthesize it myself, I change some of the composition. So in other words, three dishes with genetically identical cells, uh -huh. but the culture medium is chemically different in each of the three dishes. So there's three different environments. In one dish, the stem cells form muscle. In the second dish, the genetically identical stem cells form bone. And in the third dish, genetically identical stem cells now form fat cells. Uh -huh. And the question is, well, what controls whether it's a bone or muscle or fat and it turns out not the genes because they all had the same genes. Yeah. What was it? It was the environment. And it's like, oh, my God, why is that relevant? Because, uh, well, we talk about genetic determinism, genes controlling things, and you don't control the genes. The new science revealed, no, the environment was controlling the genes. And I say, what, what's relevant? I go, well, my God, I can change the environment myself. So in other words, I can change the environment of my cells and change their genetics. And that makes me not a victim, but a master. Yeah. And then you say, well, okay, Bruce, this, you know, this is cells in a Petri dish. What the heck does it have to do with me? And I go, okay, here's the beautiful connection. As I said, we're not a one entity. We're a community of 50 trillion cells. So essentially, we are skin-covered Petri dishes. And inside of the skin is 50 trillion cells. And I have culture medium. The original culture medium is blood. So like if I'm growing cells in a plastic dish and I make culture medium, I base the composition on the blood of the organism I got the cells from. I grow human cells. I look at human blood composition and synthesize that in a lab. If I grow mouse cells, I look at mouse blood and try to grow that. That's the environment for cells. So I say, wait a minute. 
I'm a skin-covered Petri dish. I have culture media, blood. And so the same thing happens in my body as occurs in a plastic dish, and that is the chemistry of my blood, my culture medium, mm -hmm. controls my behavior and my genetics, okay? And I go, okay, wait, wait, wait. And then I go, yeah, but what controls the chemical composition of your culture medium? In the lab, I make it, synthesize it. Right. In your body, I say, yeah, but who synthesizes the blood? I go, the brain is the chemist, okay? And then I go, okay, okay, what chemicals should the brain release into the blood? And all of a sudden it goes, oh, whatever picture you have in your mind, the brain will take that picture and break it down into chemistry yes. that matches the picture. So the culture medium called blood in your body has chemistry, but the chemistry is a complement to the image in your mind. If you have a healthy image in your mind, then of course you have healthy chemistry. But if you have a negative image in your mind, then you create chemistry that is negative and disempowers you. So you say, wow, so my thoughts change into chemistry, which control my genes. I go, yes, and then I give the biggest example everybody's familiar with is called placebo effect. Yeah. I say, what's, well, a person's not well. A doctor says, oh, here's a drug that, oh, this is the hottest new drug for you, and you believe it. You take the drug, you get better, and then find out it was a sugar pill. So the truth is, what healed you? And the answer was simply your belief in the sugar pill. It was just yeah. your perception, your belief. And why is it relevant? Because that same healing quality occurs whether you take the drug or you don't take the drug. You can heal yourself if you have the right picture. You don't have the right picture. You try to compensate with pharmaceutical drugs. And I go, worst thing possible. <laughs> yeah. Pharmaceutical drugs on the whole, on the whole, there are some very important drugs, few, but the mass of drugs are, uh, are, are very disruptive of the chemistry of your body because you're the one that controls the chemistry. You don't need the drug. Uh, and this is why it becomes so important for people to recognize, wait, if I'm not well, I'm the one that can fix it. I, I don't need to go see somebody else. And that's the power of the new biology yes. that you are controlling your biology. There's so Ooh. much to unpack there. Amazing, amazing <laughs> and very empowering. There's certain things I want to circle back to, but uh, just to give everybody a heads up, we did a show uh, a while back and we talked about pluripotent and multipotent and adult stem cells and all this stuff. We'll put that in the show notes to have a deeper understanding of that. But Bruce is giving us a highlight into something very important that stem cells, these are basically seed cells and they can change and become different plants, if you will, uh, based on the environment. And he just said something so profound that your thoughts become chemistry. That's the big tweetable for the day because uh, literally thoughts of, of fear and stress and worries creating a certain chemical soup that's influencing, immediately influencing your genetic expression. And he was in the lab looking at this process happen. And, you know, you see the big headlines today, you know, even on Time Magazine, we found the fat gene. Now if we could just create a drug <laughs> to address this fat gene, we're all squared. You know, but the reality is there's a large percentage of people who have this fat gene who don't become obese. And it's because of what's going on between their ears and also the resulting lifestyle choices that they make. Yeah. Uh, Sean, there's two words that conventional science mixes up. Uh, well, it's not conventional science. Actually, the media in talking about science mixes up. And, uh, and these two words are uh, correlation and causation. They use these words interchangeably. A gene 
causes cancer. I go, no, no, no. A gene is correlated with cancer. It does not cause cancer. See, so uh, we have to get out of the belief that genes are making decisions and genes are controlling our lives. Uh, and this is why the new science uh, epigenetics is a revolution that will change the planet. It is, it is as much a revolution as when Newtonian physics went into quantum physics and the world changed. Today, going from genetics to epigenetics is the same massive jump uh, that will change civilization. Uh, and I say, well, what's the difference? They almost sound the same. And I go, when I say genetic control, which is what I was teaching in medical school, genetic control simply means control by genes. So people out there believe, oh, my cancer is caused by genes. My diabetes is caused by genes. Whatever it is, is caused by genes. That's the belief. And I go, yeah, but, but the fact is this. Genes do not cause anything. Genes are not capable of turning themselves on and off. Genes have no, what, in bigger words, self-actualization, meaning genes don't make decisions. Genes are blueprints. They're blueprints to make the physical body parts. I go, well, why is it relevant? I say, because when you're building the body, the contractor calls up the blueprints. The blueprints don't call themselves up. And then they go, contractor? I go, yeah, the mind the brain, the nervous system, reads the world and then adjusts the body to deal with the world. So the mind calls up the genes. And now when I say epigenetic control, which is the new science, remember genetic control controlled by genes, new science, epigenetic control sounds the same, but epi means above. So when I say epigenetic control, I am saying control above the genes. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the genes don't control? I go, no, genes never control anything. Genes are blueprints. Epigenetics means the environment, and, and here's the one that I want people to just emphasize this one, the environment and our perception of the environment yeah. is what controls our genes. And I go, why is it relevant? Because we can alter the environment and we can change our perception, meaning then the genes are under our control. They're not, we're not under the control of genes. We control them. So the, here's important data fact. Less than 1%, less than 1% of diseases controlled by genes. So I say, well, Hold wait. Hold on, Bruce, What's... wait. Hold on, you got to say that again. Say that again. Less than 1% of disease is controlled by genes. There are very few diseases that one gene causes disease. Hemophilia, for example, might be one of them. Tay-Sachs disease is another one like that. And I say, yeah, but my God, 99% of disease didn't come from the genes. It came from lifestyle and environment. And that's where epigenetics is the controlling factor. So 99% of health issues are not because the body is defective. 99% of health issues is that the driver of the body, the contractor, the brain, the mind is not in harmony. And when it's out of harmony, the body is a complement. So the body is out of harmony. And if you look at it, it's like, well, it makes beautiful sense. It says if you're sick, it's a reflection of something yeah. that, that's not in harmony. And all of a sudden, it's so you blame the sickness, you know, I got cancer. Oh, the cancer cells are stupid. And look what they did. They formed cancer. And I go, 
cancer cells aren't stupid. Cancer cells are just responding to your your consciousness uh, and anger and deep hurt and issues that started as children are really the cause of the cancer. So why is it relevant? Because you say, oh, well, if the cancer is the problem, then if I just take the cancer cells out, fine, I'm healed. And I go, no, no, no. The cancer is a symptom of a problem. The cancer is a reflection of a problem. And the point is you can take the cancer cells out, but if you don't fix the problem, the cancer is going to come back again. Right. Uh, and I say, well, how do you fix a problem? And I say, those people who have cancer and then the cancer disappears, spontaneous remission, or even if you have to take it out surgically, will they get the cancer again? The answer is if they change their issues of their lives, they won't get the cancer again. If they just say, no, it wasn't me, it was stupid cells, and I take mm. out stupid cells, so I should be better. I go, no, no, uh, you missed it. <laughs> yeah. The cells were a mirror of the problem. They are not the problem. So dealing with cancer by saying killing the cancer cells is like, well, that, that's nice. It might slow down the issue, but it starts up here. Right. You know, this is, first of all, this is very, very empowering. And, you know, this kind of speaks, I, I think a good example is, and you mentioned this, less than 1% of all diseases are responsible. We're talking about genetic controlled, like somebody being born with an actual genetic defect. For the most part, we right. all get here with pretty good genes and then something happens. Like you, you, you manifest cancer later in life or diabetes or heart disease, something changed. It wasn't the fact that you were born and ordained to have this because it wasn't no. there in the beginning. And so what we're talking yeah. about here is in, in the realm of, of cancer, for example, and we've, we've talked about this many times, but we all have cancer cells every day that occur. Absolutely. All of us, many, many cancer cells, but a healthy functioning immune system will go and take out those rogue cells. But by exactly. our, our lifestyle choices, our habitual thought patterns, and like you said, our perception is going to encourage us to make certain decisions. And we might even put ourselves in the way of more carcinogenic uh, environment. And but, that but, but the interesting part is, well, again, the carcinogenic environment focuses that it was the chemicals that are causing the problem. And the fact is, we're so powerful and we believe we're so frail and vulnerable that we yeah. can say, oh, a chemical caused this. I go, listen, here, here's a true thing. In the South, um, there, there are fundamentalist religious people that work themselves into religious ecstasy. They start speaking tongues and doing weird stuff, and they're they're called snake handlers, and they handle all these poisonous snakes. Now, interesting enough, about three or four months ago, one of them died from the bites. But most of the time, they get a bite. There's no problem. They get bitten by a poisonous snake, and I go, yeah, yeah, that's called testifying. What is testifying? In their system of belief, they say that. God is so powerful and they believe in God so much that they will do something no normal person in the right mind would ever do, like pick up and play with a rattlesnake because they know God protects them. So I go, OK, this is the point. Listen to this one, because it's like if you get it, it's like blow your mind. They in testifying will drink strychnine poison in toxic doses with the belief that God will protect them from this poison. And guess what? No harmful consequences. They can drink strychnine poison with no harmful consequences. How the hell can you do that? And I go, their belief system is so, so strong 
that they they actually you can block the the influence of strychnine. You can you can you know the average thing that people do all the time, but people you got to emphasize it again is walking across hot coals. Yeah, you can walk across hot coals, but you have to have your belief system in a place where you absolutely believe this is really you can do it. Because if you're in the middle of the walk and you have a moment of doubt, you're in the middle of a moment of doubt. Can I do this? Boom! You just got burned. Yeah, you know. And well, I, first of all, you're speaking to. This is the first time I've ever talked about this publicly. Walked on hot coals. I did that, walked across the fire, and a yeah. friend of mine actually got burned, you know. And by the way, it was, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, if you're, you're in the environment, the peer pressure, you're just, you know, but you also you really do have to get your mind right. And the problem is, Bruce, is that we don't really believe what we say we believe. And that's, that's really true. where the work is, you know. And, and when we talk about faith and then we believe that it's really all our responsibility and we actually are not demonstrating that we have that faith when we're taking steps in our lives. And uh, just to go back really quickly, I think this is so important, but when you mentioned earlier about the placebo effect and how that ties into this, you know, if you look at the research, you'll see about on average placebos being about 30% effective in clinical trials. That is insane. And this is a fake treatment, a fake surgery or a fake drug and somebody getting that response. That's the other one. Fake surgery. I mean, you could say, okay, fake drugs, I can get it. But surgery turns out to be a placebo influence as well. I mean, they do what is called arthroscopic surgery, those people with bad knee joints. And they go in and they uh, scrape the cartilage and flush the fluid. And then people start walking better. They go, oh, yeah, that was great. Arthroscopic. I don't know how many hundred thousand people get that. But in a study recently, uh, not that recently, uh, a surgeon did... Um, he wanted to find out which part of the procedure was the effective part, scraping the cartilage or replacing the fluid. So uh, one of the people who organized said, well, you have to do a, a, a sham operation, a fake operation as a control. And he said, what do you mean fake operation? It's a real. You don't go fake. But they decided they would do it. So what they do is um, they would cut the uh, little slots on the side of the knee, which they do in a normal preparation. But uh, the rest of the procedure was never done. Although the person who was under general anesthetic could hear the doctors talking, oh, yeah, now we're scraping, now we're doing all this. And they even put a video on the screen of former somebody else's knee surgery. Mm. So the patient is looking at the screen and thinking, oh, I'm getting all the surgery. They didn't do it. And it turned out the sham operation had the same exact effect as the operation where they actually scraped the, the cartilage and replaced the fluid. In other words, the operation was completely placebo effect. The whole damn arthroscopic surgery is placebo effect. And it's like, oh my God, because in the study, there was no difference between whether they actually did the surgery or the person believed they did the surgery. If you could, I would love to really uh, kind of dive in a little deeper and talk about this connection between our, ourselves and our experiences as humans. You know, one of the things that I learned from you was looking at the the cell itself as part of a community, but even the cell itself is an individual in the things that it does, all the different functions as far as digestion, respiration. So can you talk about that connection? Because again, we think that we're so different from ourselves, but it's just not so. So let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, in exactly the same way that the internet allows us to have this conversation and connect a lot of people, uh, the internet, Theoretically, you can have one person talk to uh, 8 billion people. You can have 
theoretically, that's true. What's interesting is that the cells in our bodies have uh, antennas on their surface to receive environmental signals, just like television antennas, but they're made out of proteins, okay? No two people have the same antennas. This is why we can't trade body parts or cells with each other. In other words, why? And I say, because the antennas are receiving a broadcast of coordination. So 50 trillion cells are on the same station listening to the same broadcast and behaving if there, you have to run because of a saber-toothed tiger, then 50 trillion cells are like, okay, we're in run mode right now. If I put somebody else's cells in my body with a different set of antennas, they're receiving a different broadcast. So what it means is that the transplanted cells are not in harmony or coordinated with the main system, okay? So the idea is this, every cell is an individual cell, but every cell has an antenna, this group of them called self-receptors, that are tuned to your broadcast from the brain. So when the brain makes an image, 50 trillion cells, or it's just like you at home right now turn on the, the internet or something and see something going on in China, uh, it's like, wow, okay, I'm right there, I'm watching it. Well, 50 trillion cells are watching what you're watching. 50 trillion cells are in harmony. Why? Because the community is all held together by this nervous system, okay? So the relevance about all that is then even though a cell is an individual cell and has its job, a cell has a job just like all of us have jobs. The, uh, a heart cell is a pumping cell. A, a liver cell is a filtering cell. A blood cell is a transport cell, whatever. Although all cells have different jobs, they're still listening to the same station, and that's how a thought can affect 50 trillion cells simultaneously because the cells are listening to, the, to, these, to these thoughts. So um, the, the relevance is then my mind is coordinating 50 trillion cells by a broadcast. It's interesting, just the, 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 you know, like the shocking consequence of this understanding is when a person receives a heart transplant, the first thing you have to do is if you're going to transplant an organ into a body, you have to stop there or inhibit the immune system of the recipient. Right. Because the immune system will say when the cells come in, it's got different antennas. It says, it's not us. That, these antennas are not – they're marching to a different drummer. <laughs> you have to take these cells out so the immune system eliminates them. So if you're going to transplant an organ, you have to shut down the immune system. But then now you have, let's say I move a heart from person A to person B, when person B has that heart, the antennas on that heart are still tuned in to the identity of that person. Uh-oh, that consequence of spirituality, <laughs> the consequence that we are more than this body, and the answer is yes, we are. Uh, and to give the example of it, this is where I was going with it. If I take cells out of your body, Sean, and move them 40 miles away, and I have an uh, electro uh, readout, like a, uh, the same kind of thing like lie detector, galvanometer response, to read the electrical activity of the cells. And I pipe that into the room where you are right now. So on a screen right next to you, I could see the electrical activity of the cells 40 miles away. Okay. And this has been done. If I can elicit an emotional response in you, the cells 40 miles away instantaneously will activate their electrical activity. You know, <laughs> how My can goodness. that happen? Yeah. And the answer is because they have the antennas to your identity. And whether you're physically here, your identity is more of a broadcast that's 
part of your spirit and your mind, and it's going out in the field. So wherever your cells are, if they're 40 miles away, they're still going to respond to your broadcast wherever you are at this moment. So when the heart is transplanted, it picks up the characteristics of the person who was the owner of that heart, who still has the broadcast, okay? And, and, and so why is it relevant? One of the stories, there's a whole book of, of uh, stories about individuals with heart transplant and how their lives have changed. One of them was a story of a young girl who received a heart from another young girl. Obviously, the other young girl's dead. And she gets the heart, and once it's implanted and starts working, she has nightmares every night of being murdered. Same murder, same scene every night. So the doctors trace back and find out, yes, the girl who donated the heart was murdered. So the police uh, uh, talk to the, to the recipient, the heart recipient, and she describes the nightmare vividly, which we played every night. And with that description, the police apprehended the murderer. This is some Netflix stuff right here. New series. Bruce Lipton uh, produced called, right the here. The book is called Change, Change of Heart. Uh, and there's other stories about like a, a woman who was a complete vegetarian, health freak and all that stuff, gets a heart and immediately has these cravings for chicken McNuggets and beer. And you've heard mm -hmm. that story probably. And the reality was tracing it back, finding out the person who donated the heart, that was their favorite food. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it's like they transplanted the heart and she now has a new favorite food, chicken McNuggets and beer. It's like, <laughs> where the hell did that come from? It's yes. like the broadcast. That's so, so powerful, you know, and one of the things that, I mean, this is just mind-blowing stuff, and I remember uh, looking into some of these studies and seeing, I uh, believe some of this was even done by the U.S. military, and looking at if we take cells and we put them somewhere else, your cells, and then we ex uh, expose you to a stimulus, you know, maybe it's uh, uh, something, uh, maybe you're getting shocked, or maybe you're experiencing joy, but your cells respond accordingly to your feeling and to your experience, even if they're not in your body. That's crazy stuff, but this goes beyond, and this is what you do and bring to, one of the things that I'm still battling with myself and trying to communicate to people is that uh, it takes time for the books to change. You know, people right now are learning bad science in university settings, and I, yeah. I see you're like, oh my God. But, you know, what we can do here, especially with the advent of the internet and having uh, shows like this, we can get ourselves at the forefront of the education and go and dig into the research ourselves. And it's really, it really is amazing. And the, and the things that you've created are very helpful in making the science make sense and making a real world tangible application. Now, I wanna to talk to you about something I was taught wrongfully in, in, uh, in school. Now, I've shared this story before, Bruce, but this first time you're gonna hear it. So today I'm madly in love with science. It's, I, I, I think about it all the time. I think about my wife and I think about science. That's kind of my life, you know? So I'm in love with both, you know? And, but prior to going through my own health challenges, I, I detested science. Like I, I couldn't stand it. I still had nightmares up until even a few years ago about being in biology <laughs> class and not having my homework done, all right? And I was taught that the brain of the cell was the nucleus. So can you share how this is not actually accurate and where the real brain of the cell can be found. Yeah. The reason why the nucleus was selected as the brain of the cell is the nucleus is where the genes are. At least 98% of the genes in the body are in the nucleus. Then we go with the belief that is now 
wrong and completely outdated, and that is genes turn on and off. And that was the belief that genes are self-regulating, so that a cancer gene turned on, and then I got cancer, or whatever. This gene turned off, and I got that. And, and we then attributed that genes control themselves. This was an error in our insight about the nature of genes, that it is completely false, that genes do not control themselves. Genes are controlled by proteins, which are then controlled by the environment. So I say, why is it relevant? Because I say, well, in the nucleus, you have all the genes. And I go, yeah, but they're just blueprints. And I go, yeah, but they're, what are they for? Reproduction. It's like, well, wait a minute. Then the nucleus cell isn't the brain of the cell. The nucleus is the gonad. Absolutely. Why? You can take the nucleus out. And I say, what is the immediate consequence of taking the nucleus out of the cell? The cell doesn't die. The cell doesn't lose control. The only thing it can't do now is reproduce the parts or reproduce itself. So the nucleus wasn't controlling the biology at all. It was just for the reproduction. So uh, uh, at some point, when I was working with my stem cells that I talked about where I changed the environment and then changed the genetics, the question was, well, how is that being activated? How is that information from the environment controlling genes? You see, that's why my colleagues back in 1967, 70, when I was doing this research, looked at me and go, I don't know what it is, Lipton, but it's not really relevant. We're working with genes. You know, and my story was, who cares about the genes? It's not the genes anyway, it's the environment. But they didn't listen to me because what was the mechanism? And I didn't have the mechanism. I just knew that the environment was going to change the genes because I could see the result. My results then led me to say, well, where's the information coming into the cell and controlling the cell? And that led to the skin of the cell called the cell membrane. The cell membrane, at that time when I was working on it, people thought it was just like plastic wrap. Right. Hold the contents, hold the contents of the cell. That's all it did, just hold the cell together because it had a very simple structure. My assessment of that simple structure uh, uh, it, it's made out of these lipid molecules and there are proteins in there. And uh, I was, you know, trying to look at how does this thing work and describing it in conventional terms, describing the structure of the membrane, which didn't, it didn't say anything about how it worked. It just like, it's a barrier, big deal. But when I started to define the membrane in a different way, and it happened in a moment of time, my life was transformed from a non-spiritual genetic molecular biologist into a spiritual biologist uh, in one minute. I go, how did that happen? I had 40-some years, no spirituality. One minute later, boom, spirituality. I go, because in looking at how the membrane influenced the control of the information in the cell, I redefined the membrane in a way I never did before. I worked on it for years, but I never wrote this description. And so it was like 1.59 in the morning, and uh, I'm writing this description, and I write down, here's the description of the cell membrane. Sounds a little complicated, but it goes, the cell membrane is a liquid crystal semiconductor with gates and channels. I wrote that down by looking at the structure and organization, and then I wrote it down. I said, wait, 1985. I go, I've heard that. I've heard that exact same definition. Where? And I realized I had just bought my first Macintosh, and I got a book from Radio Shack, Understanding Your Microprocessor, a simpleton book about how the damn computer works, okay? I go, oh, my God, I think, 
I open up the book on the microprocessor, and there, in the introduction of the book, a computer chip is a crystal semiconductor with gates and channels. Mm. And at the first instant, I go, "Wow, what a what a you know what a you know it's got the same definition." Membrane and, and, and computer chip, same definition. Wow, I thought that was really interesting. And then a couple of seconds later, I started to say, "Well, wait, this part of the membrane correlates with this part of the computer chip, and this part of the membrane correlates with that part of the computer chip." And at one moment, within that within that minute, I said, "Oh my God, the cell membrane is an information processor. It is a computer chip, a, car a carbon-based computer chip. Signals from the environment are picked up by the membrane." translated into biology and the signal is then sent into the cell and that signal controls the behavior and the genetics. And, uh, and what I realized at that moment, as everything was coming in, not only is a cell membrane uh, uh, an analog, actually a homolog, that means identical to a computer chip. The computer chips that we talk are silicon-based, silicon chips. Mm -hmm. The computer chip I'm talking about is a carbon chip because the membrane is made out of carbon molecules. So it's not silicon, it's carbon-based computing. But then I also recognize the nucleus, which we thought was whatever the program is, the nucleus, that is your life. That's what we believed. That was genetic determinism. This is your gene. This is your life. I realized, oh, my God, the membrane is the chip. The nucleus is a disk with programs. It's a hard drive. It's got programs in it. But what was the coolest part? It wasn't read-only. It wasn't, oh, that's your gene, that's your program. It's read-write. That's where epigenetics came in. The environment can change the reading of your genes. So you, whatever, how many genes you have, 20,000 genes, you can make over 3,000 variations of proteins, which that's what a gene does. It's a blueprint right. to make a protein. For every blueprint, every gene you have, I can make 3,000 or more variations based on the environment. Amazing. And it's like, oh my geez, uh, I can rewrite my genetics on a moment by moment basis on how I'm dealing with the environment. It's a read-write chip. And then at the last thing, which we just went over a little while ago, I said, well, wait, there's a pin number. I can get into my cells but I can't get into your cells. Mm. We can stand right next to each other. Our cells are reading the environment. I go, yeah, we're both reading the environment, but guess what? I'm reading it through a filter of my identity, my, uh, my personal identity receptors. You're reading it through your self receptors, and those are the identities. So in other words, we can be in the exact same environment, but our identities can read it in different ways. And that's how two people can be in the same place and have totally different responses to the same environment that they live in. But the whole thing is, says, what happened in one minute? I went from genes controlling biology through the action of genes to no, the membrane controls biology through the action of the environment that the genes are uh, writable. I can change them. I can have a mutant gene and make it normal. But in the case of disease, I can have a normal gene and make it a mutant gene. I can make cancer out of normal cells, just how I respond to the world. And then lastly, in that one minute was my identity, the pin number that is talking to these 50 trillion cells is a broadcast. And it's like, oh my God, the broadcast is here. And my body is like a television set, 50 trillion cells with antennas tuned to my broadcast. So you're looking at 
this body here. This is a television set playing the Bruce show mm. right now. I'm playing the Bruce yeah. show and you're playing the Sean show. Uh, at, why? Because your broadcast from the environment is who you are. And that's why when you transplant a heart from A to B, persons A, their uh, broadcast is still controlling that heart, even right. if they're dead. Why? The broadcast is it's like a television set. You're watching a TV. The TV breaks. You say, TV's dead. I go, yeah, it's not working. Mm. But I say, is broadcast still there? Yes. The answer is you get a new TV, plug it in, turn it on, and tune it to the station. It's back online. Got a quick break coming up. We'll be right back. Growing up, if I thought about chocolate, I think about Three Musketeers. I think about a Kit Kat, Butterfinger, right? I had all these ideas. Hot chocolate, uh, chocolate ice cream, chocolate cake. Those are the things that would conjure up in my mind when I thought about chocolate. Little did I know that chocolate itself, the original root of chocolate, which comes from something that's botanically a, a seed, these cacao seeds was one of the most healthy foods in the world. Listen to this. This was from a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial that was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that polyphenol-rich cacao or cocoa without the sugar has remarkable prebiotic effects on the human body. So what the study found was that folks who were consuming this sugar-free cacao flavanol drink for four weeks significantly increased their ratio of probiotics or friendly bacteria, bifidobacteria, for example, while significantly decreasing their class of firmicutes, which is associated with fat gain. So there's certain types of bacteria that are associated with gaining fat and these firmicutes. So the saying in health right now is that if you wanna be firm and cute, you gotta reduce the firmicutes, all right? I didn't make that up, somebody else did, all right? But the bottom line is, wow, it has a really powerful, remarkable impact on what's happening with your microbiome. The study also found that it was able to reduce levels of systemic inflammation measured by something called C-reactive protein. And if that weren't enough, Cacao also has these compounds that have a really powerful influence on our mood, like anandamide, which is known, like that translates to mean bliss chemical, right? Uh, serotonin, tryptophan, these precursors that help your body to produce things like melatonin, right? That helps you to sleep better. It goes on and on and on, but the quality matters a lot. And when you can get real chocolate into something that is even more health-giving, you've got something really special. And that's what they have with the new chocolate Organifi Gold Drink. So they've got the chocolate along with their incredible, delicious turmeric formula. And as you know, turmeric has very powerful anti-inflammatory properties. And it also has been clinically proven to have anti-angiogenesis properties. So this means that turmeric literally has the ability to cut off the blood supply to cancer cells, all right? And we all produce cancer cells every day, but a pro properly functioning immune system and being able to regulate this angiogenesis, which we need, but we need at certain levels, is incredibly important, and food can help to regulate that. So I'm a huge fan of Organifi. Now they've got the new chocolate gold. All right, so pop over there, check it out. Just released, just delicious. Organifi.com forward slash model. You get 20% off that and everything else they carry. All right, so head over there, check them out. Organifi.com forward slash model model that's o-r-g-a-n-i-f-i.com forward slash model for 20% off now back to the show
let's come down to a fact of science so we get this clear. Less than 1%, less than 1% of disease is connected to genes. So I say, where the hell is all the disease coming from? And it goes, it's coming from stress. And I say, what's stress? Now, this is really important because stress is anything that gets in the way of your destination. I want to have this, I want to go there, whatever, and then something gets in the way, that, you know, provokes stress. And I go, so why is it relevant? Because stress is the cause of disease of 90% of the people. And I say, why is that relevant? Again, that's not genetic, that's a perception. I am stressed because I believe I'm stressed, and therefore my cells are going to respond to my stress. Whether it's real or not, the cells can't see it. They only are based on what I believe. So stress interferes with the immune system. Uh, you know, let's do stress right now because the whole world's in a stress situation. So let me give you the three fundamental things that happen when you're in stress. Why, why, why do we recognize stress for? And I go, because we're being threatened. That's what stress means. Something's threatening you. Let's go back, uh, you know, thousands of years, and I say, what was the stress? I say, saber-toothed tiger. I go, oh, okay. I say, well, what happens when the saber-toothed tiger is chasing you? I say, you got to run like hell. <laughs> I say, well, what organs in your body do you use to deal with stress? I go, arms and legs. <laughs> escape. So I say, now, here comes the next point. Well, if I'm going to need those organs to escape from the tiger then here's the most important thing. I need to give them energy because without energy, the muscles aren't going to work. So I say, what provides energy? I say, blood. So I go, oh, why is it relevant? Now here it comes. When I perceive a stress, stress hormones function is to provide as much blood to my arms and legs as I can get because I need all of that energy to run away from the tiger. So I say, well, Where's it getting the blood from? I said, well, the heart's pumping the blood. Yeah, but it's pumping it all over the body. So I say, well, when the blood is in my gut, what is the function of the organs? Lungs, you know, gut, all those organs in there. I say, maintenance of the body, health of the body, fixing the body and all that. And I say, well, if you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, do you think it's good to invest in taking care of your body at this point? I go, what a waste of time. If the tiger catches you the hell with a body, it's not going to exist anyway. So here's number one. When stress is perceived, stress hormones released into the body cause the blood vessels in the gut to squeeze shut. I go, why? Because when they squeeze shut, the blood is pushed to the outside, arms and legs, okay? So I say, yeah, but net consequence? You shut down the blood vessels in the gut and you shut down the maintenance and health of the body. I say, yeah, but for how long? How long does it take to get away from that tiger? 10 minutes? 15 minutes? You're away from the tiger, stress is gone, everything's back in condition again. People can experience this uh, when you get that stress moment. It's like, but they call it butterflies in the stomach. They feel like a queasy. I say, what's the queasy? It's the blood vessels squeezing shut. You can feel them, it's like fluttering. Okay, so number one, stress shuts down blood flow to the gut because it's going to make sure the blood goes preferentially to the arms and legs. Number two, and this is critical now, the immune system uses tremendous amount of energy. Most people, when they get really sick, don't even have the energy to get out of bed. So I say, well, let's say I have a bacterial infection and a saber-toothed tiger is chasing me. How should I split my energy? Uh, again, 
the hell with a bacterial infection if the tiger, the, you know, the saber-toothed tiger catches you. Uh, the infection doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> it get, it's the tiger's problem. So I go, okay, so what does it mean? Fact. Stress hormones shut off the immune system to conserve energy to run away from the tiger. Okay? And I go, wow, uh, so stress hormones shut it down. I go, so much so, listen, medical doctors use stress hormones therapeutically, meaning if they want to transplant an organ from person A into person B, and you put that organ in the foreign organ into the recipient, the immune system of the recipient is going to say, that's foreign, and try and destroy it. And I say, well, <laughs> what good is the operation if I just take the organ and put it into somebody else and the immune system messes with it? And I go... This is why medical doctors give patients that are going to receive a transplant. They give them stress hormones because when they give them the stress hormones and then do the transplant, the recipient's immune system is not going to be working and it will sustain the transplant. How effective of shutting off the immune system? It's used therapeutically to shut off the immune system. Okay, so that's number two. We compromise growth and health. We shut down the immune system. I, I call the third consequence adding insult to injury. And I go, what do you mean? Well, the brain has, in the forebrain, this is conscious part of the brain. And in the conscious part of the brain, that's creative. Okay, and I go, that's great. And I say, what about the hindbrain? I go, oh, the hindbrain is reflex reaction. And I go, if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, do you want to have consciousness running the show or do you want to just have reflex reaction carry you away? And the answer is consciousness is too slow. I always say, oh, you're in a car, spin it. it just starts to get out of control. I say, if you stay in the conscious mind when that car is going out of control, here's my model. Oh, <laughs> all you're going to do is get, you're going to just get lost. I say, the moment the car goes out of control, guess what? Stress hormones shut off that immune system, push it, the blood. When I squeeze the blood vessels in the forebrain, it pushes the blood to the hindbrain where reflexes are going to work. So I said, what? I go, we become less intelligent when we're under stress because consciousness is too slow. And when you're running, so I go, so what's the issue? Historically, the stress response was to be used for a short period of time, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. You escape the tiger, no more stress. And I go, and what about today? And I go, oh, got a little problem here. 24 7, 365 stress. The system was not designed for that. And this excess stress is responsible for up to 90% of disease on this planet, not genes. Genes, less than 1%. And all of a sudden I say, why is this important? Because if you tell somebody genes caused that, then that gives them, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not responsible. The genes did it. I go, no, because if you feel you're not responsible, you shut off your control. <clears throat> and that's the point. I am in control. Man, this is so powerful. What really struck me the most was when you said, we become less intelligent when we're under stress. And I think this is, this is one of the most well-seen things right now with people infighting, there's a big lack of intelligence and even empathy and compassion and these higher order things are gonna get put on the back burner. Yeah, let, let, let me give you an example about the difference between growth and protection, because that's what it comes down to. A stimulus provokes us to do something. If it's a good stimulus, you move to it, like love, food, something you want. 
that's a stimulus. We move to that stimulus. And then I say, but when you move to it, you go open-armed. Why? I want to take it in. If it's love, I, I don't want to close myself down. I want to assimilate it. If it's food, I got to open myself up, take it in. So growth means you go to the stimulus open, okay? But what if the stimulus is negative, a threat of any kind? I go, oh, I don't go to the stimulus. I go away from the stimulus. Do I go away my arms open? I go, no. You close yourself down because of protection. So I say, so what's the difference? Growth, go to a stimulus, arms open. Protection, go away from the stimulus, arms closed. I say, why is it relevant? And here's a simple conclusion. You can't move forwards and backwards at the same time. You can't be open and closed at the same time. So basically it says, if you're in a stress mode, you've shut your system down and growth shut down and, and you know, that's okay for a very short period. But if it's chronic, you've killed yourself essentially. Uh, and, and I say, so why is it relevant? I go, look at today's world. Every time you turn on TV, be afraid, be very afraid, go hide in your house. And I go, wow, that's a scary as hell. I say, why is it relevant? I am getting stress hormones dripping into my system every time I watch that damn TV. I'm getting stress hormones when I read a paper, go and surf the internet. And I go, and what is that doing for you? And I say, it is compromising your health. I go, oh, I say, that's where disease comes from. Not from the genes, but you shut yourself down. And then, as I said, you become less intelligent. Then what do you do? Defer to the boss. Who's the one that's going to protect me? Whatever they say, I'm going to do. Why? I'm not thinking. I'm just going to do what they say because they know I don't know. I go, oh my God, have we just screwed the world big time. <laughs> I go, why? Because the planet is on 24-7 stress. Any compromises to your health have compromised your immune, syst immune system. Okay? And I go, so what does that mean? Now listen to this. In America, 40% of U.S. citizens have two or more, actually 2.7 chronic diseases. 2.7. One chronic disease 60% of Americans have. But 40% of the Americans have 2.7. I go, so why is it relevant? They're compromised before the damn virus even showed up. And I go, well, why is that relevant? Because when the virus shows up, are they weakened because the virus is so strong? Or are they weakened because their immune system is under stress? And I go, that's the one. I say, but you blame the virus. And then everybody's now afraid. Healthy people are afraid. And I say, so what's the relevant? Well, you got them scared to death. That all, I said, oh, you scared them. I said, what's the result of that? You've messed with their immune system. You've already compromised their immune system because their stress hormones function shut off the immune system. The more you scare them, the worse the consequence of the COVID is. So, is this a manipulation? You bet it is, okay? Is there a way out of it? Yep. Stay healthy. Four things. I'll just give you the four things. Number one, eat well. Eat well because the food that we're eating, industrial farm food, is toxic from the beginning. I go, what do you mean? I say, all you need to do is see the farmer in a field spraying the crops wearing a hazard suit. If, if they're spraying something on your food and they have to wear a hazard suit, I don't think we should eat that food. 
just a suggestion, you know? Right. Uh, so, and most of the food is crap. Uh, and and we were pushed on a cheap-ass diet to, what, undermine our health. Be, uh, wonderful, wonderful video years ago was um, Michael Moore's uh, video uh, uh, about sickness. Okay, I can't remember the name right now. There was an interview with a British parliamentarian, Tony Benn, and he clearly just came out flat and said, governments do not want a healthy, intelligent population because they're difficult to control. And I look at what happened to America from me, being an old guy, say, at one point, we were the healthiest, smartest of all. We, all the technology of the future was coming from here. Now there's no technology coming from here. We're compromised. I go, yeah. As Tony Benn said, governments do not want healthy, intelligent population. I go, well, we're surely not a healthy population, and the amount of intelligence in this system is QAnon. Well, there you go, folks. Gone. No intelligence anymore. Okay? Relevance. The government succeeded in making us sheep in a world where we lost control, but that was not an accident. Yeah. Bruce, can I... Can I can I add one quick layer of context here too? Because this is something we continue, we continue to talk about is that right now, and a lot of people don't realize that until this moment, the United States is really the most compromised, self-inflicted nation in history. And even JAMA reported, this was 2018, this is recent, that poor diet is the number one cause of our chronic diseases. It's the number one causative factor behind us being compromised. Yet we're still not talking about this in this situation right now. Right, because when you go to a doctor and he says, oh, my God, you've got cardiovascular problem. He says, well, here, take medicine. I go, no, you should go to the doctor. You've got a problem. How do you take care of your health? You, you should go do things to take care of your health. And they say, no, just fill the prescription. <laughs> That's why the, the doctors don't even offer the, the resolution is health. Okay, so the food bad. Number two, we should be taking vitamins and supplements because that's what's missing from our food. And vitamin C and vitamin D, the two main environment, uh, vitamins that are necessary for the vitality of our immune system, uh, should be taken every day. Every day. Vitamin C, big amount every day. I take two grams of vitamin C every day. And vitamin D. Why? They're the ones that enhance my immune system, okay? Number three, so we have, uh, first of all, eat better. Number two, take supplements. Number three, exercise. I go, why? Because exercise strengthens the system. It can, you know, pushes the circulatory system and the blood and, and, and gets us to breathe better and to clean the blood and filter things. And it, it makes the system run better. Okay. Uh, and then number four, and that's why we're here right now, Sean, you and I, number four, Watch your stress level. Your stress level is in a direct compromise of an immune function. And the world is so stressed before the virus got here and now amp that stress. And it's a global situation. But then you can look around the world, but not all the countries have the same morbidity that we have. And I go, why? Because other countries are less stressed and they eat better and they have different social life. And then I look at us, and it's like, yeah, I know you're in L.A. My, my nephew is in L.A. He's, he wants to move out of L.A. as fast as he can because he said it's a scary ghost town at some place. Yeah. Why? 
Fear. Where is everybody? Locked inside. What does fear do? Shut yourself down. I go, growth is compromised. So the entire growth of this country, including the economy and everything else, any measure of growth is compromised because fear shuts down growth. Wow. Wow, right. Bruce, man, this is so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing this. You know, I think one of the big issues, obviously, is that's that's promoting the fear is numbers without context. You know, there's all these numbers. And you just brought up a really valid point, which is we've got 30 to 40 million confirmed cases of COVID of folks who are okay, you know, who've survived, but we don't see that number. We And that starts to put it in context. And what that's done is really just pushed the mortality rate lower and lower and lower, but yet you're not hearing about that. All you're hearing about right now is the cases, the number of cases. And, uh, and it's an unfortunate situation because a lot of people, look, I taught in a medical school for years. I'll give you a simple fact. People think the pharmaceutical industry is out there to help us. I go, hell no. Pharmaceutical companies out there to help themselves. <laughs> Their function is to make money. If you don't take drugs, they don't make money. So what are they doing? They're pushing a situation where how many Americans take like two, three, four, five drugs a day? And I go, they're drug pushers. And here's a, you know, an interesting fact. How many people die from prescription drugs every year? The number I think is about 300,000. I go, why is that relevant? I go, well, how many people die from illegal drugs? I go, I think it's 34,000. I go, we have a war on illegal drugs. But legal drugs kill 10 times as many people. And he goes, oh, that's the cost of medicine. You know, I go, are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like you have been manipulated by a belief system and then belief controls genetics and belief controls your biology. And if you start with a negative belief, you only end up with a negative biology. It's the only way it happens. Uh, and for a fact, because people don't get it. And I need to give it, what is a fact? A truism. And here's what's number one fact. Quantum physics is the most valid science on this planet. It's the one that's been tested the most and verified to be more truthful than any other science. I go, so what? Because what's the first principle of quantum physics? The mind is the creator of our life experiences. And it says, your consciousness is creating your life. I go, why is that relevant? Because if you change your consciousness, you can change your life. It's like you don't have to wait for life to change from the outside. It's you on the inside. And so we have been systematically disempowered. And if you've been disempowered, then where the hell's the power going? 1%. <laughs> That's the 1%. They got all the money. Money is power because money is the equivalent of energy. And energy is life. Everybody, energy is life. Yeah, I know that. Money is energy. You have a lot of money? You're going to have a lot of life. You got no money, you're already compromised at this point. So the, the simple reality is we have been systematically disempowered by belief systems that are no longer valid. Genetics, that, that science is not as valid as epigenetics. The difference, genetics victim, epigenetics master. So if you don't know epigenetics, you have lost your control and you bought into, oh my God, there's a cancer running in family and I'm going to get a cancer gene. A uh, little pause here, Sean. There is no gene that causes cancer. 
There is not one gene that causes cancer. Give an example. Every, women will undergo a mutilation, which they gently refer to as a double mastectomy. That sounds much better. Uh, don't mutilate yourself. <clears throat> oh, I'm just having a, you know, mastectomy. Okay, no, that's called mutilation. You're cutting your body apart. I go, for what reason? Well, I found out I have the breast cancer gene and I don't want breast cancer. And I go, okay, let me give you a little fact that you haven't paid attention to. 50% of the women with breast cancer gene never get breast cancer. This is a very important point. The possession of the gene itself doesn't cause cancer. It's a life not in harmony that engages that gene. And this is how people can have a remission because they realize, oh my God, my life's not, in, you know, it's not working well. I'm so stressed and blah, blah, blah. And I got this cancer and they say, I'm going to let go of my stress. Cancer goes into remission. The problem with the conventional person is, I got cancer and it's got stupid genes and my cells are stupid. My cells are going to kill me. So if I kill the cells and I cut out the cancer, I'm going to be okay. And I go, no, the cancer is a symptom of you not living in harmony. And therefore, cutting out the cancer, you just get another cancer if you don't change the stress. And it's the ones that realize my life is not in harmony and change that are the ones that have the remission. So the point is this, did the gene cause cancer? And the answer is absolutely not. There is no gene that causes cancer. There are genes that are correlated with cancer. In other words, it's a symptom. And so I say, cutting out the cancer cells, thinking you've healed everything, is the same as uh, covering up uh, the service engine light on the dashboard when it shows up driving the car. If I cover it up, it's like, oh, hey, everything's running good. The service light's not even on anymore. And I go, you didn't fix anything. You just shut off the symptom. <laughs> and this is, this is where we have to go because every bit of this is a disempowerment to the individual by saying you're frail, you're vulnerable, you're susceptible to all these things. And I go, damn, we, we can walk across coals. <laughs> and down in the South, some of those fundamentalist religious people work themselves up a religious ecstasy. They call them snake handlers, and they play with these poisonous snakes. And every now and then, actually, one of them dies. But I'm not talking about those guys. I want to talk about the guys that they testify. That, that's the term. They do something no normal person in their right mind would ever do, but they do it because of the firm belief, perception, God protects me. They drink strychnine poison in toxic doses and have no adverse effects. How could they do that? And the answer is total belief. I will, not, I will not suffer because God will protect me. Not, it wasn't 99% belief. That's not belief. Uh, 100%. Unquestionable, unshakable. And I say, then guess what? You can walk across hot coals. You can drink poison. You can do so many magical things, but you can't do it with a program of limitation that we've all been downloaded with. Hmm. We're going to keep circling back to this. Bruce, because I want folks to really walk away today knowing that their beliefs are controlling what their biology is doing. You've already broken down, really, there's a biology to fear. And there's a self-fulfilling situation happening right now with so many of us being in fear 24-7 right now. 
and it's compromising our bodies. And you and giving you, up your power. You give up yeah. your power because you say, who am I? I'm just a victim. I go, no, you're not your damn creator. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. what the game is. Uh, and Sean, while we talk about belief, I just need to emphasize when we talk about belief and this, does belief control our biology? I go, well, you know, nearly 75 years or more, we've understood the nature of what is called the placebo effect. The placebo effect is someone's got an illness. The doctor says, I got this new pill. It's the greatest new medicine in the history of anything. Take this pill. And the person says, oh, wow, finally a cure. They take the pill. They get better. Find out the pill was a sugar pill. I go, and what the hell healed them? The answer was the belief in the pill, not the pill, the belief in the pill. I go, oh, that's called placebo. I go, yeah, that's positive belief. That's what it is, positive. And then I go, yeah, everybody goes, yeah, placebo effect, positive belief. And I go, negative belief, which no one talks about, is equally powerful to positive belief in affecting your life, but in the opposite direction. Placebo can cure me of any illness on this planet. Nocebo, negative belief, can cause any illness and even death. If you believe you're going to die, you can die just from the belief of that. I say, so why is it relevant? Because the percentage of negative belief versus positive belief is so upside down. We have more negative beliefs in our world than positive belief. And so, again, when you have a negative belief, you don't realize that negative belief has opened you up to manifest whatever you're afraid of. And that's the problem. Bruce, why are we not talking about this more? You know, because truly, you know this, the data How is out there. I, I, want you, I want you to say this in just, in just a second, but the data exists. There's mountains and mountains of evidence. Even in randomized placebo-controlled trials, we have to account for the placebo because some people are going to get the results just from a fake pill, a fake surgery, a fake treatment. They're going to get the same effects. What's going on? At least one third, scientifically tested, at least one third and up to two thirds of all healing in medicine is due to the placebo effect and not the action of the physician or the drug. That's a fact of science. One third of people will heal themselves, you know, just because they, they believe whatever they're going to do is going to work. Uh, and, and I go, yeah, but again, we still are emphasizing what? The positive belief. <laughs> I'm going, it's now time to emphasize that your negative belief is the problem. And if you're hiding in your house right now because you're afraid of that nasty COVID outside, is that going to give you immune function, a, a boost? I go, it will undermine your immune function. And if you stay in your house and then you get, okay, we can go out. And I go, you didn't have an immune response staying in your house. And the virus is still outside when you go out there. So it's going to happen. You know, one of the things that initially really implanted the fear button was this it's, an, it's called a novel virus, and we didn't have any innate immunity to it. But you being a renowned cell biologist, you know we have this thing called the adaptive immune system. Exactly. But that adaptive immune system only works when you encourage it to work, when you give it the energy and the consciousness. Why? Because the mind can turn the immune system on and off. I'll give you an example. I love this because people don't realize it. Uh, what were people they called uh, multiple personality? Okay, so they have in one personality, then all of a sudden they switch to a different personality. Well, it's been identified that if in their normal personality, and the very first person that was a book about this woman of three faces of Eve, three different personalities, 
in her main personality, she had uh, a response to strawberries, an anaphylactic response. That's a, a hypersensitivity which causes hives and all kinds of problems. And what she found out was when she switched to a different personality, she was no longer allergic to strawberries. But when she switched back to her original personality, she was allergic again. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, how could you be allergic and then change your psychology for a second, and then five minutes later, you're not allergic? And then switch your personality, and five minutes later, you're back to allergic. And the answer is, the mind is the ultimate control of your biology. Quantum physics, day one, Max Planck. The mind is the matrix of all matter. <laughs> okay? Uh, and I say, well, why is it relevant? Because... Um, Where's your thought and who's guiding you on that thought? Who's teaching you on that thought? Who's making money by teaching you a thought? The pharmaceutical company. Who, 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 vaccines are free? That's a bunch of BS. Uh, that means belief system. Uh, <laughs> it's like there's, a, there's billions of dollars involved in creating a vaccine and giving it to people. Billions I go, so this is not, oh, this is not like, oh, they're just going to be helpful to us. They're very nice people. Go, no, they're going to make billions of dollars because they're going to force everybody to take that vaccine. And I want to tell you something. So new information for the audience. We have a natural vaccine mechanism. Yeah. People were making immunity long before medical school was here. Million years, they were making immunity. I say, where does immunity come from? And the answer is a misunderstanding that has taken us away from the truth. And that is, in the throat, there are things called tonsils. There are three pairs of tonsils. So there's two above the hard palate at the roof of your mouth, two at the back of your throat, and two at the base of your tongue. Three sets. Six. I say, well, what does the book say about that? I go, the conventional books say that tonsils are there to protect you from anything that comes in your head, mouth, nose, ears, eyes. They all have to drain down your throat. So the idea was, oh, the tonsils are there. They're going to fight those things that come into your body and protect you. They're fighting them. I go, hell no, they're not. Tonsils don't fight. Then what are tonsils doing? Sampling. They sample what's coming into the environment and learn about everything in your environment. Your immune system is part of your brain. Learning and memory, that's the job. But learning and memory about the physical environment. What's in your world? And I go, so when anything goes down your throat, it has to bypass the go through the tonsil area and the tonsils sample what's going on, and then can make an immune response. So this is why infants, if you ever had a baby and you see the baby in the crib, it will stick everything in its world into its mouth. Whether it's its foot, its arm, its leg, the whatever was in the diaper, it's in its mouth. Everything is in the mouth. Why? Native instinct to sample your environment, put it into your mouth. And then the immune system can learn about it. So an infant is already designed to instinctively put the environment into its mouth and sample it. And the idea was then, what was what? What was what about it? And it goes, the tonsils are the learning center. <laughs> I go, so what? I go, they inject vaccine where? 
in your arm, in your leg, in your ass, wherever they inject it. And I go, is that going to support the immune system? I say, it bypasses the immune system. There's an intelligent system. Put it into the mouth. It will then deal with it. So I say, so what happens if I inject this thing in my arm? I say, the centuries of intelligence, there are centuries all over the body, intelligent system. You bypass by sticking a needle in there, bypasses the centuries. You put a bunch of crap in that needle and in the body. And if you were a cell and you were just hanging out somewhere and all of a sudden a dump of garbage dumped on your head, it was like magic. Where the hell did that come from? None of the centuries saw it. I go... You bypass the intelligence of the system. And that's where all of a sudden I get very upset. Why? Because the mission statement of science, 1650, Francis Bacon, the mission statement of science is what? Listen to this. To obtain knowledge to dominate and control nature. That's the mission statement. I go, how's that working out? I go, we're causing our own extinction at this moment. We're in the sixth mass extinction. Humans are creating their own extinction right now. And I go, oh, is this in a thousand years from now or a million years? I go, how about this century? We have already pushed the limits of our system, destroyed the environment to the extent that we will not be supported within this century, that human life is facing its own extinction by its own behavior. We've undermined the web of life because we're going to dominate and control nature. I go, how's that working? It's called six mass extinction. And I go, we're in it and we created it. And this is the wake up call. Uh, Sean, this is so important because I, I could look at the world and you open up the paper and you got in every country around the world, some kind of chaos is going on. Social, political, economic, racial, religious, all kind of climate, <laughs> all kinds of upheavals. And I go, wow, this is a scary planet. And I go, those are symptoms of a problem that's bigger. I say, what's that problem? We are creating our own extinction, the sixth mass extinction of life. Five times in the history of this planet, life was thriving. And some cataclysmic event wiped out up to 90% of life. The last one, the fifth mass extinction, 66 million years ago when the dinosaurs were here and the, 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 the world was ripe. I mean, the ecosystem was flush with life, all kinds of life. A comet hit near uh, Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula, a big comet. <laughs> it upended the ecosystem, killed all the dinosaurs, wiped out up to 90% of life, and that was the last mass extinction. Today, we're in the sixth mass extinction, but it's due to human behavior undermining the web of life. And so nature is giving us all these symptoms, whether COVID, yep, COVID's a symptom of what? You're not in harmony. You're blaming the virus, and the virus has just taken out the weak elements as nature always does. It eliminates the weaker elements in a community. Well, the virus is a wolf. <laughs> That's what wolves do. Clear out the weak ones. All these people dying. You're going to blame it on the, on the virus? I say, no, the virus didn't take you out if you were healthy. The virus took you out if you were compromised. So all of a sudden, that's a feedback. So I say, why is it relevant? We're in the midst of an evolutionary upheaval. And the most important insight of this upheaval is what you're trying to offer the public, Sean. And that is what? Self-empowerment. Because we have been systematically showing ourselves to be weak and vulnerable. 
We are the problem. And nature is showing us this, and we're ignoring it. <laughs> it's going to be at our own peril because uh, extinction is looming so fast that... In 1970, they took a survey. How many animals were on the planet? World Wildlife Foundation. How many total number of animals on Earth? And then they just recently did it again a couple of years ago, and two-thirds of the entire animal population has disappeared since 1970. We only got one-third the number of animals that were here on the planet in 1970. That uh, Germany has been doing a survey of insects. Every year in their parks, they do a survey, 27 years. This year's results reveal a loss of 75% of the insect population. And you go, well, I don't care about insects. I say, I think you should. Bees are pretty important <laughs> if you want to eat food, uh, and they're disappearing like crazy. I go, we can't live without the insects. We, the insects were here before us. <laughs> we needed them to be here ourselves. Okay, fish. 2048, not a long time from now, and it's conservative estimate, no fish in the ocean, planet Earth. Imagine, you're going to be here, and then you're going to have to tell people in those days, Sean's going to be the storyteller, he's going to sit around and tell kids, they used to have these things that swam in the water called fish. <gasps> What's a fish, Uncle Sean? Well, no, <laughs> unless they watch some videos, <laughs> and that's happening soon, uh, uh, and, and it's all falling apart. What was the point? Those were symptoms. We look at them as, oh, those are problems. I go, well, they're problems. They're symptoms of a bigger problem. We are undermining our own existence, and COVID is just another shot in there that says, you are not surviving because you're you're living out of harmony you're in disharmony harmony equals health disharmony equals dis-ease and there we are yeah what the fish <laughs> bruce so right now um if we can have something that we can do because everybody listening wants this to get turned around and is there anything we can do right now to help to usher in more health and unity when we need it so much? And I'm going to preface by saying that I learned this from you. Each of our cells have these antennas, basically. You know, we're literally interacting and receiving data from our environment. And we can and also we can affect that environment as well. So I'm going to preface by saying that and then ask what, you, what you, your opinion is that we can do right now. Yeah, well, the, as you just said, so very quickly we can understand this, is that uh, we know about computers and silicon chips and, and all that stuff. A cell is a carbon-based organic computer. The cell membrane is a chip. It's not like a chip. It is a chip. It's got inputs and outputs, and it adjusts the cell to what's going on in the world. And if the world's not in support, then you have to change your biology to survive. Uh, and so uh, the cells are reading the environment and trying to adjust, you know, well, as I said, the cells in your body are reading your perception of the environment. You want to change your health, you have to change your perception. You have to stop saying, I am weak and vulnerable. I am not weak and vulnerable. I'm a powerful son of a gun. 
And the reality is, how am I going to be powerful? I say, you got to take care of your health. Your health is, is what manifests your life. If you compromise your health, you compromise your life. And we've all been compromised. Compromised by programming when we were young. Like we gave up control of the power of our life when we were young because we were programmed to believe that the doctor knows about health. And who are we? We, we don't know nothing. So if the doctor says X, Y, or Z, that becomes our truth. And this is what the problem with diagnoses are. Because the diagnosis says, oh, well, you're going to have this. And then the prognosis, you're going to, this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. And I go, if you own the truth that the doctor is the source of truth, then that prognosis is actually a script for your future. And you will manifest all of those things because that's what you believe. So it's a time to say, let's question what we believe. Because the beliefs that we have are creating the situation. The beliefs uh, uh, that they are pushing you about COVID. Uh, and I really want to emphasize this because I got so many people, Bruce, are you a supporter of Trump? Because he's saying it's not. And I go, wait a minute. <laughs> no, I'm not a supporter of Fauci. I'm not a supporter of Trump. They're both wrong. They're extremes. And the idea is you have to have some intelligence in the middle and not listen to either of them. Fauci is a, a, a profiteer. <laughs> he owns vaccine companies, okay? Bill Gates, profiteer. He owns vaccine companies. As I said, oh, they're going to give me a vaccine. I said, they're giving you a vaccine. You're paying for a vaccine. All your money. And I go, but I can make my own vaccine. Ah, you can. But it bypasses the system, and they don't want you to do that, so they want you to wait until that vaccine shows up. And I go... Man, you could die before then. And in fact, it's not even, the vaccine is no replacement for normal immune function. And, and that's why I highly recommend that if you are not compromised, the best thing in the world is to get the damn COVID flu, have the uncomfortable period of time, whether it's three days, five days, six days. Why? Because at the end of that, You'll never need a vaccine. Your immune system's intelligence will always remember this COVID. Next time it shows up, it will not have any effect upon you. So to me, this is most important, that we must recognize we are so powerful. And I'm not, that's like, oh, that's a new age. I go, that's not a new age. That's quantum physics and epigenetics, because they both say the same thing. Quantum physics says your consciousness is creating your life experience, and epigenetics is a science as your consciousness is controlling your genetics. Both of them saying the same thing. I don't need to change my genetics. I need to change my consciousness. And the hard part about it is the media is not your friend. The media, I've never seen anything like this in 76 years of my life that we're getting, two of my wonderful programs were censored. Because what? Because I didn't agree with the conventional belief story thrown out by the policymakers who are manipulators? No. And if you said anything that didn't fit their story, cancel it. I go, this is not science. This is actually antagonistic. Science is open. Question. Check. Follow through. It didn't say, put blinders on and only do this. That is not science. That is dogma. Science is take the damn blinders off and recognize <laughs> that story you've been sold is not a valid story. And, and again, I'm, uh, it's so important because my, why am I here? I need to relay knowledge. Knowledge is power. 
And people go, yeah, I've heard that. I go, let me give you the reverse of that because it's true, but it makes more sense. A lack of knowledge is a lack of power. You have been deprived of knowledge because they only want you to see that story in this box. The rest of the knowledge, don't talk about it. Don't go there. Don't say anything. I go, you just lost science. It's not science anymore. Now it's a personal opinion, and that is not science. You know, look, um, I'm in that compromised age. I'm over 70. I'm 76. I'm moving toward 80, baby. No, not for me. I'm not 80. I'm still a teenager in here who loves his life, who wants to enjoy this planet, and is going to be healthy enough to stay here and do that. And so I'm not going to hide in the damn room and keep my face mask on. If you're compromised, you put the face mask on. That's your life. I'm not compromised. Zisa, I'm saying that today. Uh, what, <laughs> what's today? Tuesday. I'm still alive. I'm still healthy. I'm looking forward to doing that for many more years yet. And the idea is what? If you put me in the conventional population, I would be so covered with kinds of gauze all over my face, lock myself in the closet, and... Is it safe to come out yet, Sean? No. <laughs> I'm not going to stay in the closet. And I go, stupid. Life is so beautiful. Life is so wonderful. And you didn't get here by accident. You got here to be creators. Quantum physics, epigenetics, same story. Consciousness is controlling this. And if you give up your power of consciousness and buy a limitation, you have just shortened your ability to create life. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Dr. Lipton really helped to break down our understanding of epigenetics and our health outcomes, and also looking at this in terms of infectious disease as well, because these are foundational principles we know so much about. We've got decades of research at this point on epigenetics and thousands of peer-reviewed studies on specific epigenetic influencers in the form of certain nutrients, like vitamin D, for example, in the form of exercise, in the form of sleep, in the form of our overall nutritional inputs, in the form of exposures to toxins and environmental assaults on our system, you know, from air pollution to, you know, things like secondhand smoke. The list goes on and on and on. There's so many different things that can influence our health outcomes in the form of these epigenetic influences. And so really putting, again, putting the keys back into our hand, putting the power back into our hands to be able to drive our physical and mental health to the place that we truly want to arrive at. And there's nothing more important than this right now. So please share this out with the people that you care about. You could tag me. Please take a screenshot of this episode if you loved it and share it on Instagram. Tag me. I'm at Sean Model, S-H-A-W-N-M-O-D-E-L. It would mean a lot. And of course, you could send this directly from the podcast app that you're listening on. You could send this directly from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, from iHeartRadio. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, share it up. Sharing is caring. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to the show today. We've got some amazing, I'm talking about amazing guests coming your way and some powerful masterclasses. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. And I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. 
That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you've got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.